Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is fasting from fear. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes or pick up those knitting needles and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am, here we go, the Reverend Doctor. Ooh, I like the sound of that. <laughs> Amanda Sensolo. And it is my honor to serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay. I know what this topic means because I happen to be in the service at the time that you mentioned it. But for those <laughs> who may not, what does fasting from fear mean? Oh, it means lots of things. Okay. And one thing I'll say is that I used the new title because I'm officially finished with the doctorate. Yes. That's probably the only time I will ever use that here on the podcast. Oh, come now. But I... You've earned it. It's done. And a huge thank you out to everyone who has been so supportive in getting me there including our listeners who have listened to me talk about my dissertation for yes. two and a half years now. So Oral defense was passed on Monday. Passed on Monday, and it's all done. So thank you for the support, folks. Back to our regularly scheduled topic of fasting from fear. This came from our Ash Wednesday service this year. Mm -hmm. A member of the congregation has been doing a lot of amazing work building out our spoken liturgy and accessing resources with different options for our spoken liturgy and our worship. And she offered a different kind of service for Ash Wednesday that didn't follow the normal gathering word meal sending, okay. but instead kind of took a scripture passage and an idea and wove them together in a responsive kind of reading. Mm -hmm. I took the base service and rewrote it. The Holy Spirit was kind and gave me this phrase of fasting from fear. Mm -hmm. And so there were three main sections, and I pulled the three temptations of Jesus in the wilderness, because that's the beginning of Lent, is when Jesus goes into the wilderness and is tempted by the devil. And I took their ideas of selfishness and idolatry and violence mm -hmm. and tied them to the different temptations that Jesus experiences in the desert, and then used this kind of idea. So for example, the first one is this burden of selfishness. And we echoed it. I paired it up with the devil tempting Jesus from the gospel of Matthew with turning the stones into bread so that Jesus could use his power, everything that he's been gifted by God to take care of himself. Sure. For food. For food, to take care of himself and make sure that he is sustained and that he is well. And use that to say all around us is a world that wants us to be afraid that we do not have enough, not enough power, enough possessions, or enough security. Mm -hmm. And then giving the congregation the refrain for all of these to say, and sometimes the fear wins. And then what happens to us when we let that fear win that leads us to selfishness or the fear that leads us to violence against one another or fear that leads us to lifting up things that are not godly as important. I or think not lifting up others because you want yourself to be ahead. I think that one goes with selfishness okay. well. And I think idolatry can be difficult for us to understand. Material goods. Material goods, that kind of need for false idols, whether mm -hmm. it's beauty or profession or acclaim or what, you know, whatever this thing is that drives you that is not serving your neighbor and serving God and serving a loving 
world mm-hmm. can be that false idol. And so what are the fears behind those things that we can let go of so that we don't have to participate in the pieces that tear our world apart? And it ended up, right, Ash Wednesday, February 14th, was the day of the Parkland shooting. Mm-hmm. And so we had this evening where we could come and gather and sit in this space and remember all of these pieces of us that are broken. And not that we are horrible, awful, terrible human beings for getting sucked in by fear, but our culture, North American, USA culture, in a lot of ways thrives on keeping us afraid. Uh, There's been a lot of fear-mongering on all sides. Everywhere. Commercialism thrives on fear. Mm -hmm. And our economy thrives when we're afraid. Mm -hmm. Because when we're afraid, we do things like hoarding. We do things like going out and buying the next best gun to protect ourselves. We go out and we aren't content with what we have. We aren't content with who we are when we're afraid There's so many ways in which we can then spend our money and build up the commercial environment. Mm -hmm. So it really does benefit to keep us afraid. And it benefits to keep us not getting along. And it benefits power structure for us to remain divided and terrified. And I think, you know, we downplay that kind of... Domestic terrorism? Mm-hmm. Totally. Right? And yet, it's really powerful. And it's so subtle in our culture anymore, and it's so present, we don't even notice it anymore, I think. Well, that's because we're not labeling it domestic terrorism, for one. Well, of course not. <laughs> but it's there. It, totally. Embedding terror within our hearts is a great way to not embed peace. Mm-hmm. That's a really lame way of saying it. But what ended up happening with this particular service is that I rewrote it. These were the kind of pieces that came out of the conversation as I was taking the base work from this other resource that I had been given and then trusting the spirit and coming up with other pieces. And the final prayer in each section that we had is God, feed us with your love that we may fast from the fear that leads us to. And this idea of a Lenten fast, right, where you give something up for Lent, or fasting during Lent is very much a common, one of the threefold things that you do. You fast from foods, and then you pick up charity works, and you give alms. These are things that you typically do during Mm -hmm. Lent. And so that language was just there. But caught in the hearts of the people gathered. It's fascinating to me that it sounds easy. I mean, when you think of the scheme of things, giving up chocolate, if you're a chocolateaholic mm-hmm. or somebody who really likes sweets mm-hmm. or somebody who really enjoys a glass of wine, that kind of stuff just sounds hard. Yeah. But giving up fear, oh, sure, I can do that. Right. And then you start thinking deeper and it's like, oh, that goes a lot further than I thought it was going to initially. Yeah. And it really does. I think when we sit down with the question, you know, I 
I was approached by a member that night to say, could we run with this for our Lenten theme? Could we put out reflections on this? And can we tie this to our Wednesdays? And can we pray this fast together as a congregation? This is so countercultural. And this is the kind of message that needs to get out there in the midst of the environment that we're living in right now. Totally. And, and so I, yeah, let's do it. You know, and we jumped in and we started to kind of frame things out to pull it together. We've got our Lent madness that we've already talked about here on the podcast going. Sure. Oh, Lent madness can hold for another year. Well, no, we're still going to tie that in, right? Because the examples of the saints, a lot of them. Oh, they're fearless. All right. Right. And whether they were totally fearless or whether they like tried to push through their fear to continue to do the Mm -hmm. things anyway. I think that that's as much what I see in some of the saints that is beautiful and powerful. This last week was a Jesuit priest who served the slaves as they arrived in Colombia, and he left his order to continue to serve them. And I can't imagine, but that would be terrifying Mm -hmm. to leave the security of your religious order that you have given your entire life to. So what income did he have? What capacity did he have? Where was he going to be living? Well, what? and you're not serving people who have, have anything, anything, right? Or are living in circumstances that are going to be anything but terror. And his decision to step in and be a healing presence in the midst of that evil, of course, he must have been terrified. And yet he did it. And still he did it. That kind of an example and learning that kind of piece, I think, is part of the beauty of Lent Madness. Mm -hmm. And we can tie that to this fast from fear, I think, with no problem. So that's what we'll be doing. We will be tying these things together and using them on our Wednesday nights as we talk about the saints that we have learned about in the week before and... The reflections will come out. This week's reflection was published this morning and is available on our website and is available via centralportland.org's Facebook page. So those things are going to be going out and people can share them and interact with them. And I put the questions up on my personal wall on Facebook Mm -hmm. among my friends. And the responses back last week, I just posted, what would you do? If If you had no fear? If you gave up fear, what would you do if you weren't afraid? That's a powerful question. I did it on my big friend group, and then I limited it down to a smaller subgroup and reposted the question so that they knew that it was a pretty closed group. Aha. You were limiting their fear. I was limiting the fear. Of what they were going to put out there. Right. And the responses... You could just see the bare hearts of people Sure. when you get into this question, because I think it comes into that vulnerability piece that Brene Brown writes about so well. We are vulnerable when we admit our fears, and you also see, like, hope. Like, oh, this is what I would dream if I weren't afraid. Definitely. Well, what's fascinating to me about this is... When you initially hear it, you think globally. I mean, I think of the current political climate and what would Mm. we do if there was no fear? Mm. Mm -hmm. And if that fear wasn't being fed Mm -hmm. daily, hourly, every minute. Mm -hmm. But really where it becomes more fascinating to me is when you think about it on a personal scale. And I think about some of the dynamics of my own family. Mm. And if certain people had 
the ability to give up the fear about what the future would hold, it would be very interesting. Well, or fear of judgment. When I look at young children who are in that preteen, teen space, that fear of judgment is so debilitating. It's huge. It's huge. Right? And wow, could that be such a gift if that fear of judgment wasn't there? I don't know how to get rid of that. And the other thing, when I wrote my first reflection, one thing that I did say is that fear can be a gift, right? Mm -hmm. There's a book that came out, must have been in the 90s, called The Gift of Fear. Mm -hmm. I haven't read it since then, so it could be really dated. I could be, you know, who knows? But it talked about the gift that fear can be Mm -hmm. in what it does chemically for you. It, it has its place. It has its place. It does definitely, like, give you the capacity to keep yourself safe in true life and death situations. Uh -huh. There's a reason for the increased adrenaline. There's a reason for the increased cortisol. There's a reason for the stronger reactions and the ability, the, the heightened senses and all of those things that come with the neurobiological sensation of fear. And those things are good in those situations and they're important and that should be honed and that should be honored and that should be given its space. And courage is not the lack of fear, right? Courage is moving forward in the face with of fear. your fear, mm -hmm. right? Knowing that you are afraid and using those skills and the gifts that it comes with it and moving forward anyway. So I want to say those pieces, when I say fasting from fear, that doesn't mean that you should suddenly be like, oh, I'm in a parking structure at 11 p.m. at night on my own, and I hear a strange noise, but I'm fasting from fear, so I'm going to ignore it. Like, what is it that leads someone to attack someone in a parking lot at 11 o'clock at night? Well, the fear that they won't have enough, mm -hmm. right? And the fear that they need something that that person has. So... I'm talking about the deeper stuff mm -hmm. and I want to call and honor the fear that keeps us alive in those situations because that's important. Don't fast from that fear. <laughs> Use it and let your fight or flight serve you well if God forbid you're in that situation. But that fear that leads us to do things that don't build up our community, that leads us to do things that tear us apart and divide us and harm us. If we could figure out how just for 40 days, mm -hmm. right? Not for a lifetime, but just for 40 days to spend some time thinking about what could it be like? What would you do if you were not afraid? What would you dare to do? It's a beautiful question. It's a fascinating question. So what then having asked this question and seeing some of the responses is your hope for this exercise? Oh, because I wasn't expecting it. I don't have a hope. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm just watching the Holy Spirit do awesome things. Sure. I mean, it, it really, you know, I got one text message saying fasting from fear. Wow, that resonates. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, yeah, good. Boom, got my one. <laughs> sure. It wasn't going beyond that, really, just that one person had heard something that God needed them to hear that day, because that's my goal. Sure. And so I was content. Score. My time was well spent. And then that she wanted to run with this. And then I wasn't here on Sunday morning because I was preparing for my oral defense. And the prayers of the people, I had contacted the assisting minister and let her know that we were going to kind of 
use this as an idea through Lent? And would she be interested in using the prayers of the people, like basing the prayers of the people around this phrase? Uh huh. Because she will be our assisting minister and be writing the prayers of the people for the whole season. Oh, nice. And so she ran with it apparently on Sunday uh-huh. and it served well and it resonated. And so then our member was willing to stand up and make an announcement at the end and yep. explain what was going on about this and invited people who might be interested in writing to reach out. And six people came forward. I was afraid to ask because I was there and I knew all this had happened, but I wasn't sure what kind of response was garnered by all that. More than we need. And we're going to open it up and let other people step forward if they wish. Oh, lovely. Because we will probably have more than one post per week on at least one week. We sure. figure we can open it wide up and let people jump in. So if you're listening to us via the podcast... And you would like to participate in it. We're looking for like two paragraphs, 250 words, really short little reflection and not like giving the answers, not giving the exact information about it, but really opening it up and letting people interact with it themselves. Any thoughts that you have on it? You can contact me at pastor at centralportland.org and I'll get you into the loop with our other member who's chairing this up and running with it. We're creating small graphics that can be used and shared. And I would encourage people like to take one of these questions and put them up on your Facebook wall or your social media and see what conversations get started. Or have a conversation around your table or with a really close friend. Don't do this on a first date. No, No. (laughs) have coffee with some friends and put it out that way. Right. Or, you know, in your stitch and bitch group or whatever. Let it kind of tumble around in your life and see what happens. And I guess that's my goal for it, right? Just see what the Spirit does with it. Because the Holy Spirit is apparently really liking this idea. so (laughs) And does definitely work in mysterious ways. (laughs) Serious mysterious ways. Because way too many people volunteered way too fast for this to not be the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, then last question. What is the one thing you would do if you were not afraid? There are so many things that I would do if I were not afraid. I can't even remember what I've put up on my own wall. You have some pretty good examples just sitting across looking at you. The whole dissertation thing (laughs) seemed like... I was terrified of that. I know, but you went for it anyway. I did it, and I got it done. I mean, what would I do if I were not afraid? Well, one of the ones, once I, like, thought it, I started taking action on it. Oh, that's... Lovely. I would go back to skating. Okay. I would find a way to go back to skating. So we're talking like physical injury fear here. No. More? No, it's not physical injury fear. It's actually, here's me being vulnerable, right? It's actually feeling like I have a place and feeling like I belong. It's the introvert in me. Sure. Oh, I totally get that. In a giant organization that I don't want to take leadership in. Uh huh. I'm not really great at not having a leadership role. <laughs> know thyself. <laughs> right? Like when I get into something, I oftentimes really get into something mm-hmm. and I step up into leadership really quick. And I don't want to do that because I don't really have the time and I don't have the energy. I want to dedicate it in other ways right now. And so I want to find a way to return to skating that is soul nourishing and soul filling and soul resting without adding deeper responsibility on my shoulders right now. 
And so I'm trying to figure out what that means and how I would do that. And my goal has been for the last four years to be home team draft eligible by Mm -hmm. a year and a half from now, by September of 2019. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at that goal because now the space has opened up and I'm trying to say yes or no to that goal. Is that really what I want or is it another way of returning to skating that I want? And so I'm afraid of backing down on a goal. Sure. I'm afraid of not being welcomed and accepted, even though it's an amazing group of people. And of course I would be in theory, but I'm a human being like everyone else. Yep. I'm afraid of overcommitting myself. Yep. I'm afraid of taking on too much responsibility. And if I were not afraid of those things, it's not injury. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I would be. Nope. It's not the injury. And I'm afraid that I'm so out of shape now that it's really going to be hard to get back and feel confident. Sure. This time, I know how hard it is. The last time when I started, I had no clue how hard it was to skate derby, right? Mm -hmm. Now I know how hard it is. I need the muscles back to surround my bones so that I don't end up mm-hmm. with, with a, a broken fracture. this, that, and the other. Exactly. So that's what I would do. That's one of the things I would do if I were not afraid. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about our Lenten fast from fear. I look forward to sitting down with you another day on another topic. As do I. And blessings to all of you as you step through this Lenten time. If you choose to join us on this particular exercise... You can find it on the Facebook page for Central. That is facebook.com slash Central Portland. You can find our website at centralportland.org where you will find that Fasting from Fear blog posted right on that front page. And as always, we would love to hear from you. You can write to us at podcast at centralportland.org, subscribe to us on iTunes, and even leave us a review. Until we are back in your ears again, remember... God loves you, no matter what.